What is wrong with kids these days? That is the topic. I'll just be honest, bros. It's the same thing that's been wrong with them from the beginning of time. The exact same thing. The same thing that was wrong with you, both of y'all. <laughs> same thing that was wrong with your parents. Welcome to the Tabernacle Podcast with John Familia and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, John? My belly is full of salmon <laughs> at this salmon. moment. That's what's up. Nice. Salmon. A little bit of steelhead trout, and uh, it feels Somebody like a good time to do it. But, oh, yeah. Somebody was getting after it. Yeah, Northern Michigan's. Well, I'm excited. Today is one of those days that um, whenever we were talking about in episode zero, this is one of those episodes that selfishly, um, I just get to be in the room. I get to sit here and ask questions and then write all the notes and get all the stuff. And then, uh, so I'm excited about this one personally. I don't care if anybody listens. But we'll oh, edit it listening. and I'll listen to it myself. So I think, uh, I think they're listening, man. I'll let you intro um, today's guest. So, yeah, it's a dungeon. Give him his proper welcome. Oh, we're in the dungeon. And our special guest uh, in the dungeon today, I have known for a long time, 34, 35 years, I believe. Um, Charlie Alcock is our guest. Charlie currently is a professor um, in the ministry and the uh, theology department, I guess you'd say, of Indiana, the Indiana Wesleyan University. Um, Charlie has been a pastor for over 30 years. His specialty is student ministry. Um, he is the husband to Joy Alcock, previously Joy Vermilia, my sister, my older sister. He has three children. He has just become a grandfather. Um. One of the things that a lot of our listeners, Britain, may not know is that Charlie has been a longtime fan of what God has been doing here in northern Michigan through the ministry of the Tabernacle. Uh, when I first moved here to be a part-time youth pastor, uh, Charlie uh, was, was the youth pastor that I tried to model the firehouse, which is now the foundry. I tried to model it after everything that I'd watched him do over the years. So when I say we have a guest, this is, in my opinion, one of the premier, if not the premier, student ministry experts on the planet, for sure North America, definitely Michigan. Uh, he's been doing youth ministry longer than rocks have been around. <laughs> and when he got too old to roll around with the students because he's, you know, his back's broke arthritic wrinkly wow he did it yeah man he, he didn't take like lead wow. pastor job someplace the intro started here and then it went to this guy's no, really bro, old this is yeah <laughs> no i mean he's just a little bit old older than me but charlie um turned down lead pastor jobs so he could go train other youth ministry guys and i I'm just gonna say one more thing because i want our listeners to stay with this because we've got a really juicy topic today but um Scripture says, by someone's fruit, you will know them. And I've run out of how many guys I've met that were raised up, discipled, trained by Charlie that are now in ministry across the nation. From the West Coast, where he served, to the Midwest, to the East Coast, um, that's fruit when someone's coming out of your student ministry. So I've laid it on pretty thick, but I'm pretty fired up. Charlie Alcock, let us hear your silky baritone. Welcome to the Tab Podcast. 
Well, I love I love the podcast. I love the tab. And I love me some Johnny V. <laughs> <laughs> but you love Michigan more. I love me some Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Um, and kind of as you were introing and you're like, man, this was one of the guys' first call I made when I took over the firehouse, all this stuff. And I remember right what I'd been here for two, three months, and that was kind of one of our first phone calls was, all right, we're going to call, as you called him, we're going to call Uncle Charlie. Uncle Charlie. Didn't even know who Uncle Charlie was. He's been a good uncle to the tabernacle. (laughs) But it was was a good phone call. I actually have the notes pulled up on my phone of just uh, some some really sticky stuff that you said to me in that time of just uh, really helping us launch Foundry again coming out of a quarantine. But uh, more than anything, Charlie, I think the lingering question that um, a lot of people are wondering is... What the heck is wrong with kids these days? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with kids these days? That is the topic. I'll just be honest, bros. It's the same thing that's been wrong with them from the beginning of time. The exact same thing. The same thing that was wrong with you, both of y'all. <laughs> same thing that was wrong with your parents. Same thing that was wrong in the 50s and the 30s, turn of the century. Same thing that was wrong with people walking around with Jesus. This ragtag group of disciples. Same thing that was wrong from the beginning of time. It, it, it's like when a human being, you know, is is in swaddling clothes. I mean, how easy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to change the diaper. Every mom and dad knows that. It's like, I mean, if you've got a, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old, it's like, I'll go back to changing diapers. That's not that big a deal because I can put them to bed when it's over. You know, if, if, if they get a little bit mouthy with me and their terrible twos or threes or fours, I mean, put them to bed, you know, kind of manage that pretty easy. When they're mouthing off to you and they're a foot taller than you and they got the keys to the car. Then it's it's a different, little a little different. bit different. I no. mean, John, you know, bro, old little Benj, man. Yeah. He was so easy uh, to handle 10 years ago. I know. He's almost taller than me right now. <laughs> Killing me. Uh, that's, that's the thing within... Within student ministries, within adolescent ministries, that a human being comes to the point where they have to own it for themselves. Mm. And I, do you mind me if I tell you a quick story about Go this? Go for it. Yeah. There's a rule here at the Tabernacle Podcast, Charlie. Yes. The only rule is this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> and today, this is your podcast. Yeah. So, I remember my kids, we're getting ready to make this move from Indiana to, to California, to San Diego. And, and uh, I was leading worship at a conference. And it happened that the speaker is Josh McDowell. And he's written all these books and right from wrong and big time guru. And everybody knows his name and all this good stuff. And we're backstage. And I just finished a worship set. And they're doing some video. And there's a minute in there between and. You know, he's like, so you're going to Skyline. It's like, I love John Maxwell. And, I mean, John was, was leaving. Yeah. You know, he was in that middle of that transition. And so it's like, but, you know, you know, Josh McDowell didn't care. It's just that's one of his friends, and he knows the church, and he knows Southern California. And so he starts asking me questions about my family. And at this time, Emily is, is just a baby. I mean, she, you know, she was just in the Lakeview Church, you know, Big presentation over Christmas. She was baby Jesus. <laughs> That's Little tiny she baby from heaven. I mean, this is great. I love the church I met at Lakeview and Marion. I love it. I mean, great days. 
Nick, you know, little bro is three years old. Nathaniel's five. We're enjoying life. I mean, I've got that little like 1983, you know, Jeep CG7 with the big tires and flying around in the mud and in snow and pulling them. You know, it's just like the good days. And here we go, man. We're moving to Southern California and and uh, mega church. And he asked yeah. me, yeah, it's like you know, hey, you know, what's the age? And I tell him backstage where I think we're supposed to be really quiet that I just love my kids and and I, I wish I could just just keep them just as they are because they're so amazing. He gripped the side of my arm so hard. I mean, it's it scared me. He got right in my face. And he said this, you will never know what it is to be a parent, to be a father. Until your kids grow up, they walk away from you, and then they choose to come back. And it just rested there for a minute. Now, I thought this bro's a kook. (laughs) I mean, it's like he is in my grill. I'm... You know, there's an imprint of his hand on my arm. I'm kind of pulling away to go out and sneak behind this piano and do this last little worship set. And, you know, he just dropped wisdom right right on your face. I thought he was a kook. I mean, it's like, whatever. And then, uh, you know, because, you know, I've been in youth ministry eight years. I've seen a bunch of students, but they weren't mine. You know, they weren't my children. That's why I would tell you, bro. It's like, hey, listen, man. Be careful when you talk to parents, all right? And they give their lives for the, their children, and, and nobody hurts more than a parent mm. when they see their child going through something and they feel helpless to do anything about it. Mm. And that I, that's why I tell students in school all the time, you want to rip and tread on the church? You better get out of my classroom because the church is the bride of Christ. Don't mess with the church we can talk about issues and what we have to fix of course of course but but let's talk about it gently and with reverence and when i catch somebody in student ministries who's ripping on trading on what parents do and don't know and you know they're the solid 24 years old it's like you know what (laughs) yeah you you can stop talking right now wow because there's a whole nother world once your own children and i was learning this and he was completely right. You will never know what it's like to really be a parent until the, that person that you love so dearly, that you would give your life for, walks away, is going through something, and you can't do anything about it. You, you can't take the struggle away from them. And then you see the light come back, and they choose to come back. And I think, biblically speaking, this is... Critical for next-gen ministry. God's word does not return void. Does it say our amazing ministry doesn't return void or our incredibly crafted youth center doesn't return void? If our ministry is laced, is, is, is founded on God's word, God's word doesn't return void. Most people in student ministries don't stay in it long enough to see them come back. I get tired. I'm sick of the books and the research. And honestly, I, I mean, we love research and we we value research. But any academic institution that's worth its weight will tell you that the greatest form of research is practice. 
Hmm. The greatest form of scholarship, rather, is practice. So if you want to be the high end of scholarship, it's practice. It's in the field. And when you're in the field long enough, you'll see it come back around. You'll see people that, that will go away as they have done from the beginning of time and begin to own it for themselves and recognize, no, this, this is something that, that I have to own. I, I've, been, I've been dictated as a child, like, I, I go and do what my parents asked me to do. In fact, you think about this for a second. I mean, when you're a little kid, you, you go to the next grade. When you're in third grade, you go to fourth grade. I mean, it's laid out there for you. When you're in your fifth grade, the sixth grade, when you finish middle school, you go to high school. Everything is laid out. And there's then this moment in time where all of a sudden you're, 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 you're going through that end of adolescence and, and you're you know the person who has the license to drive that, that automobile and, and all of these things are happening in your life. It's just this convergence of all of the crazy and you're supposed to be an adult. And all of a sudden it's like you're 18 and you are supposed to know and to have all this wisdom and have it all put together. And what's next in your life? Well, it's like, I don't know what's next. I, I, it's been dictated for me my whole life. And now there's this great chasm, this ocean, and you're looking at it. And, and all you have is a rowboat. And you're trying to figure out how am I supposed to get across the other side? Right. That's right. traumatic for people. Right. Whenever you're talking about this, the thing that comes to mind is kind of that prodigal son type thing. Is dad's yeah. got to let this son just go? Yeah, and then but that response of that parent, I think, also brings to light what you're talking about. That when you do see that kid finally make the choice to come home, mm-hmm. and you see the dad's response, and it's not one that's light. It's not one that's like, "Hey, welcome back, son," right? But he's—I right. mean—he gives him everything. He's so excited. And I think that that's that that speaks to what you're talking about—the way a parent's heart is attached to a child, and the way a parent really loves their kid and wants the best for them. But I think that. Um, what I've seen and from my own experience and the way I, my parents raised me was I was, I was free to make mistakes and I was free to make these choices. But I also knew deep down that at the end of the day, when, when I was going to hit rock bottom inevitably and they knew it was coming, right? Right. I had a place to go with it. Yep. You and had it, a place that was home. Right. I kind of got ahead of myself there at the end, getting all excited about no, this topic. Good. But yeah. when we talk about, you know, what's happening out there, what do we look like? Um, you know, the research will come out that, that you know, John, your daughter, I mean, she was a part of this ministry, Lily. Mm-hmm. And then when she turned 18, she left your church. Mm-hmm. Like her church attendance dropped off, John. And it's a fact, isn't it? Lily was not a regular tender at the Tabernacle after she graduated high school. Right. But I see where you're going with this. It's because she went to college. Exactly. I mean, we have a whole group of kids that literally... Go to Christian schools or other places, and they're engaged in ministry, and they love and care about Jesus Christ. But what do you do in our culture when you're 18? You're expected to go someplace. Yeah. In fact, if you're not going someplace, it's like, what's wrong, maybe? Right. And so it's a very fluid generation of people. They're trying to figure things out, trying to make it on their own. They're Within the culture of the United States, it is, you need to go on to the next thing. You know, what is the next thing? You know, community college, you know, four-year college, whatever. And, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about because being a ministry, being a pastor, I've seen this stuff. Email that's come across my desk. I've heard conference speakers talk about it is 
the shocking numbers of children that are born and raised in Christian homes. They turn 18 and they walk away. We're mm. failing. It's terrible. And what I've said for a long time is, well, the dirty little secret is they start, you know, they get married. Yeah. They have kids. And our biggest, it seems like, our biggest single uh, growth person or demographic of people that start coming to our church for the first time are people that were born and raised in the church and they have kids and they start having kids and then it's like, hey, we need to put down roots in a church. Well, they're coming from somewhere. And I've wondered if, if they're part of that demographic that people have said have walked away. Uh, now they moved away. <laughs> exactly. They moved away. They got married. They went to one of the other's hometown or tried a new town to get away from their family. You know, they had some kids and the next thing you know, they're plugged into church. Which goes to what you were saying, the word of God doesn't return void. No, it does. And, you know, when you take a look at the movements within church culture in the last 20 years, for example, and everybody wants to talk about, well, this mega church or that mega church, uh, they're all built on children's ministry, next-gen ministry. And it's all those kids, you know, that are now 24, 25, 26, 27, that uh, um, have figured that kind of stuff out. They've had a chance to express themselves. And if you go back, if you if you go back and look from generation to generation to generation, it's happened differently for different generations. Our parents, for example, it, w- it was a different time when they're coming up and it would be normative to go right into the military, go right into the workforce. I mean, those things were right there. And if you weren't married by the time you were 22 or 23, that was a little bit awkward. You know, it's pretty straightforward. This is what you do. It was like an assembly line. This is what human beings yeah. do, and if you don't, you're an oddball. And, and, that, and that's, keep on going back, and keep on going back in time, and keep on going back in time. I mean, it was that with Jesus. Literally, he's walking and sees this group of people and and begins to have that conversation with them on the side of that Sea of Galilee and finally says, come follow me. And they had finished. I mean, you think about, historically speaking, a little kid who would you know, go through biblical training like Beth Sefer. I mean, they would be a part of the, the Bible training. You know, We call it Sunday school or whatever the case. I'm being really loose with this. But very, very specific training that every Jewish kid would get. And they would memorize you know the first the Torah, the first five mm-hmm. books of the Bible. We call that the Pentateuch. I mean, they they would get this basic understanding, and then after that, you're 13. You go ply your trade. You you go do what you know your parents are doing, or or you work within the context of the community. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, if a rabbi came around and came to the town of Buckley, <laughs> and you, or Manistee, or Manistee, or Misik, <laughs> yeah. God forbid Traverse City. <laughs> JK, LOL. Love Traverse. Yeah. Gorgeous. I mean, you think about it, and you all come out to the town and you greet that rabbi and 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 that that rabbi teaches, you know, for a while, and then all the little children are sitting out there, all the kids, you know, the young teens, they might pick one. Come with me. And everybody else goes back and they do what their parents do. They ply their trade. And what do you do after that? You get a certain age, you're 16, you you take a, a bride. You know, you get married. You have a husband. You have children. I mean, think about it. It's never changed. 
It's been this way from the beginning of humanity. So when you ask the question, what's wrong with our kids today? There's nothing wrong with our kids today. They're dealing with the same thing that humanity has been dealing with forever. Hmm. And now they're inundated. Right now, John, I mean, you're looking at your iPhone. It's like, do you know that the iPhone replaced the Gutenberg Press as the greatest invention of human history? Wow. The greatest. Think about it. And the Gutenberg Press replaced the wheel. Wow. Now, <laughs> yes, think, you think about that world history. The yes. wheel, then the Gutenberg press was right. the revolution. That was the revolutionary yes. moment. Now you're saying it's the iPhone. It That's is. a yes. test even I could pass right there. Yeah. Now think about this. <laughs> Why? Because of the level of communication and information and ease. And, and I, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like we have in our hands more power to manage things than they had in this, you know, that, that, that spaceship that landed on the moon. Right. You know, right. it's like there's more power in an iPhone, more yes. capacity in an iPhone than the computer that put the first man on the moon. Exactly. So, so within that, with their like kind of this piece of things are advancing and we're yes. seeing these kids have this access to all these things. But mm. I think within that, I think we would all, I, I, this isn't like a wrong statement. I don't think it could be. You might have another 15 minute riff right here. But uh, <laughs> I think within that, we're seeing relationships mm-hmm. are being. They're not as deep as they used to be. Right. It's a much. It's a much more kind of that mile wide, inch deep thing that we've talked about a few times on the podcast. But I think the family culture and things like that aren't this deep place because kids are able to take their problems and all these things to different avenues, or they're not communicating with it because they're not learning how to communicate those things. And I can say that because I'm a part of the generation that has no idea how to communicate verbally to people, right? Because, I, I mean, I am Gen Z. I'm sitting here. I'm, I grew up with an iPhone in my hand, all these things. Right. And so would you say that you've seen, and maybe it's in your own life, maybe it's in your experience as in student ministry, and John, you can speak to this as well. Would you say that you've seen kind of, is it harder for parents to get to know their kids at a deeper level? I don't know if that's even a good question, but I think that like, because a lot of kids would, that I hear are like, man, I just feel like nobody knows me anymore. Mm-hmm. Are you like, I don't know. Well, that's a really good question. In fact, uh, um, you think about time and you think about expectation and think about finances. And, and, you know, we all know about the progression of, of our culture where, you, you know, whoever dies with the most toys wins, you know, and the expectation that, that you're going to have more and, and how do you get more? I mean, it, it's driving us to where, you know, we're all working all the time. And when you would have those times where you gather together as a family, um, you know, I'm telling you, if, if we could really go back and recreate Paul Ingalls <laughs> and Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> and we had the, the, the true story behind Paul Ingalls, I bet there is some stuff going down there. You know, it's like with the kids, like it wasn't all that sweet and that hunky-dory just simply because a human being with as much love and passion for their parents still want to be their own person. And so there will always be conflict and it will reveal itself some way, Hmm. some way it will reveal itself. And so going back to your question do I wish um, I could go back in time and, and 
be with Nick, you know, when he came home and said he made the varsity baseball team. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I remember when he came home and I had been, I was actually sick that day. I mean, I don't know what it was, but it was, it was early spring and, you know, and I remember like not feeling well at all and going to bed early and Nick got home and he came in and he had a box and the box was a pair of baseball cleats, you know, and I knew it's like, you know, that's what he wanted at that point. That was his dream for that moment. And, you know, every parent wants to go back and just relive those incredible moments where you're walking on the beach with your kids. And this is what we used to do all the time where we we didn't have two pennies to rub together. So Starbucks in San Diego costs the same amount as Starbucks in Marin, Indiana. Actually, it might be a little bit cheaper because of taxes. <laughs> and you'd go get something there and you just walk along the beach, you know, playing, you know, these games where you have to guess animals, you know, and we're just, you're laughing and playing and you do your best to, to live every moment. You know, we say that to our own kids now. It's like, you know, Nathaniel, he just had a little baby, Theo. And, you know, so we're, you know, talking to, to Nathaniel and Katya, it's like, Oh, love every minute. I mean, parents get sick. Young parents get sick of old people telling them, oh, just enjoy, enjoy this moment. And it's like, you're knee deep in poop in a diaper, you know, <laughs> and all of this. It's like, really, you want me to enjoy this? It's human nature for us to reminisce and to go back and to remember. Because the older we get and the more we see people we love die, people that we care about go through the, that last season of their life. Um, I don't wish for a nicer car. I don't want to go back and, and, and have that Durango all over again or that Jeep. What I want is is time. Hmm. And time with people that, that will remember you years and years down the road when you're no longer on the planet. And those are your kids. That's your family. You know, that's that's interesting that you say that because we've all heard people reminisce about the good old days. And you've touched yeah. on something there. And it's that the good old days, because I'm reminiscing, they must have been better. And I know that this isn't true just because of what we talked about. I'm glad we live in a day and age where where wheels are common, <laughs> that yeah. the Gutenberg press that you know has transformed it. Um, honestly, yeah, we all have these iPhones, and I know that my generation and those older than me love to look at kids. They have got too many devices and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, there's something to be said about face-to-face communication, but this collective reminiscing that somehow it was better then and now it's worse than it's ever been, what I'm hearing you say is simply not true. Mm. You know, when 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 you were talking about communication with your kids, uh, the the way that my parents communicated with me was mostly face-to-face. It might have been a birthday card, or it might have been, when I got to college, a letter. Um, my kids can bring up texts that I've texted them or they've texted me, and it's no different than a letter. It's a shorter letter, but sometimes I feel like some of my communication, and it's not that I don't speak to my kids face-to-face. Don't look at me like that. Right. But there are some things that because we're so busy, if I drop it in a text, they'll see it. And it could be encouragement. It could be how proud I am of them. It could be a reminder. 
I've got this catalog of really good communication in a way that they can understand. And I feel like in some ways I like I'm I'm grateful for that as a tool. It's not it's not is it better, is it worse? You know? It is what it is, I think is the whole It is what I, it I is. I mean what I'm hearing yeah. you say is like yeah, okay. <laughs> like these are the things that people have been talking about for in the twenties. They were like, "Man, if kids would have been like they were fifteen years ago." It's like, yeah, every old yeah. person says that because they're grumpy, right? And right. they can't eat yeah. solid food anymore. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, think, I, I didn't say that. No, you yeah. didn't say that. <laughs> Let's be clear out there. Although Charlie I, is I a grandfather, yeah. Britain Bishop said <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but no, what I'm hearing you say is kind of this piece of no matter what changes come or whatever happens next. There's always going to piece. There's always going to be this piece of yeah. I wish I still had this thing. And it's not the iPhone's fault. It's not this thing's fault. It's just time keeps moving, and the things that used to happen aren't happening anymore because people get older, people move on, kids move, mm-hmm. things like that. And then there's just that piece of whether you did it right the whole time, communicated face to face with your kids for 23 hours a day. Like time's still going to move, and there's still going to be a moment where it's like, man, I wish that I could be here with them again. And so I think my Kind of the next question would be, um, as you look at that, and as you look at like your your how old are your kids now? So they're all in their twenties. Okay, all in their twenties. So yeah, no, from twenty four on to twenty nine. Awesome. Those ages. So they're kind of in this next phase of life, right? Mm-hmm. And you're watching them kind of make this next step. But as you look back, and uh, we're kind of talking because I think it is fair to say most of our demographic, not most of, but a majority of our demographic here at the Tabernacle would be kind of um, parents with either high school, middle school, or elementary age students and so um if there was just be like one piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice or whatever that looks like for you but just knowing this generation studying this generation being in the field with this generations and all these things give something to these parents well i i love that question bro and i would say this um you're right the past is the past but the future hasn't been decided yet and today is a new day and if you want to go back and say, I love you, and begin opening those doors and, and, and having a new relationship with your family, that is the beauty that we have through the love, the grace, and the power of Jesus Christ, that he can transform relationships. And the way I am with my kids is very different than the way I was with my parents. And my, my mom died young. And uh, I've counseled with people that their parents are going through cancer like my mom did when she was in her, you know, mid-60s. And uh, um, I remember specifically one pastor who was actually in my youth ministry back in the day. And now he's an incredible, talented, gifted person doing incredible ministry. And yet he was really struggling. And it's like, Josh... I want you to go. I mean, it's tough to see your mom die. Like, I want you to go tell her you love her. Because I can't say that. I can't go talk to my mom right now. And so right now, spend as many moments as you can. So the good news is this. That things can change. We don't have to be restricted by problems of the past. And let me say this. Sin of the past. Wrongs of the past. The blood of Jesus covers that. But don't let that haunt your future. Don't let the sins of the past be the mistakes you make down the road. I mean, we hear about it in all our incredible coaches. 
You know, we we watch our our favorite player. I mean, everybody knows that Tom Brady is the goat. I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> and you knew he's going to go there sooner two, or later. A year or two ago, people could argue with you, but after the Super nope. Bowl this year, no, no one can argue with no. you anymore. And what university did he go to, Charlie? The University of Michigan, ah. <laughs> who actually just won the Big Ten title in basketball. Ah, okay, that, yeah, but he played football, so don't State. dance away from Michigan football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the point is, like, you hear coaches talk about, you know, don't let that play that you just made a mistake on. You know, be a bad play for the next couple plays down that are yet to happen. So don't let one mistake, you know, you know, ruin the next series that you're about to play. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, it's really difficult to go to bed at night and recognize and live with yourself and and re, you know just relive the spaces where you were wrong, where you made a mistake. And uh, I've done that with my kids. Where I've gone to them and said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I want to every day try to. So what you said, John, too, is I want every day to to reinforce, I love you. You, You're an amazing person. I'm proud of you. How can I support you? Now, we know that that we— we can grab book after book after book that says, don't take the struggle away from your kid. We get that. This is not an either-or argument. It's not either-or. It's both-and. We're both-anding this. We're going to do many things right, just not one thing right. And we're going to try in the future to allow them the freedom and the flexibility because we're the safety net to be there to protect them so they can they can stretch and they can push back with the safety net it's it's the people that go through those crazy times of discovery and there's nothing there for them when they fail and that's where devastation takes place in a human being's life if you were to fail i bet your mom and dad would be there no, I mean, that's the reason I'm sitting yeah. at this table. I mean, we haven't done my change life story, but there's a piece within it where I went into ministry straight out of college and fell on my face pretty hard. And there was just this moment of like, okay, where do I go now? Because I've, I'm graduated from college. I'm supposed to have this figured out. Like this is, these bills are mine. This, this is all mine. And I had a place to go. I had people that loved me and I had people that cared about me. And it wasn't like a, okay, you're welcome here, but figure it all out and get the heck out of our house. Right. It was welcome home, son. Mm-hmm. And then months, months, months later, when I sat down with him, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to go to Michigan and try this again. <laughs> and it was just this piece of like, okay, you got this. And yeah. we're right here and we will be the whole time. And I think, um, yeah, so I think just, yeah. So I'll, I'll just say there is hope in today is a new day and tomorrow is a new opportunity. And so if you're on this part of the country in this region where the tab is at, come here and and worship together and hear God's word and grow together and change. Why can't we change? What is it about, you know, us that that we won't admit that we're wrong and then change? Yeah, that was the key piece too is my yeah. The, my my dad specifically was kind of that that safety net at 22, 23 years old, falling on my face, bills, all these things. But he had an understanding of scripture, and he was building this on the truth. And that's where, like, 
that's where I experienced Christ's love from my dad in that failure. And I think mm-hmm. that that was a really key piece was he was still worshiping the same even though I was sitting here being this failure of a son. So I think that, that what you're saying like this, come to the church together, be a part of this, I think that was a huge piece. And my failure and the response from the failure was I was received with that grace and those things that come from truth. Yeah. And so that was a, that was a really cool piece. And then the, the third part that this little question that you have is is um, do n- not underestimate the power of prayer. Um, I mean we're we're really good at crafting certain things. I I take a level of pride on putting together a conference like we're doing our fusion conference in April and with Corey Asbury and KB and George Moss and Alana Harrington and you know and and our DJ Amon from Indianapolis, and we're so happy that we're doing it. Um, but at the the moment that we fail to recognize that, it is only by God's power does that thing that we're doing have any real value to, to see life change. Same thing you see at the church, same thing as a parent. I just find myself more dedicated to prayer than ever before. For my kids, because I you feel powerless because they're not you know in your home or in your grasp. So would you say that? So you're saying than ever before. So when they were in your grasp, did you find it was I got to fix these things, and there wasn't as much of a prayer dependence there. Yep, and that is a level of regret, hmm. remorse that that we go to church. And of course, you pray. I mean, that's what we do. We're all pastors. I mean, come on. That's what we're supposed to do. But, man, when you have them right there, I mean, you know, you're running in point A to point B. You know, you're getting things done. You're trying to make all this happen. You want them to have the the right shoes. You know, you want them to have this. You, you want to take care of that. And, and it's just the busyness of life has just a way of just, just swallowing. I think that's an incredible ploy of the enemy is to make us so busy that we fail to do the real work. And I hope my kids, in fact, I bet if, if you know, we had them on the podcast, I think they would go back and, you know, say, do you, did you think that your parents love you? Oh, yeah. I'm praying for you. Yeah. But I'm saying now at, at the position I'm in, that if I'm going back and talking to younger parents, um, let them hear you pray, not not from the pulpit, you know, let them hear you like in those moments. I had this really special opportunity just about two weeks ago with our son, middle son, Nick, where I have a dear friend uh, who's in the youth ministry as a student back at Lakeview. And yep. Josh and his wife have been through just some horrific, horrific life experiences. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he's quadriplegic in Grand Rapids. And Josh and Shelly Buck have this ministry and, and, uh, and so uh, I asked Nick to drive over, and he's over in Detroit, and he has, a, he has a lot of gifts. Besides being incredibly intelligent, well-read, you know, and a, and a, a very young scholar, a writer. Um, he's also an incredible musician and, and does recording, you know, and, and uh, is part of a studio there in Detroit. So he drove over to record this session where all we did was sit in their living room and I brought in a keyboard and we reminisced for a couple hours for about a half an hour, you know, presentation that we could put out on Facebook to have people 
partner with this Buck family. And we're telling stories about brutal things where, where Josh and Shelly's daughter Ava dies when, when she's just three months old. And I'm telling the story about, they're, they're reminiscing as we're getting ready to go into this next song, It Is Well With My Soul. And we did some of the, you know, the classic worship songs from the 90s and had fun with them, their kids singing. And, and I start telling the story because he's asking me, where were you? And I remember it where I just finished speaking at a camp in Florida and Joy with our kids, Nick, Nate, and Emily drove the Suburban down to pick me up and we had the next seven days at a really cool spot on Sanibel down in South Florida. And it was our first date, and it was a vacation that we could not wait for. It's just us, our family. And uh, that first day, you know, we got there, spent the night. We're, the first day we're on the beach walking, I got the call that Ava just died in an accident at home. And next thing you know, I'm on a plane flying out of Florida up into Grand Rapids to do a funeral. And what I never knew, and Nick is sitting where you're sitting. He's recording this whole thing. This is your son. My yeah. son. Yeah. He really never knew the backstory on why dad just got up and left in the middle of vacation. I mean, you know, he was, you know, he was in fifth grade, sixth grade. But he's just paying attention to beach. Yeah. He's just living in, in fifth grader world. Yeah. And I'm not there. Oh, I'm, dad's got something else going on. You know, he left. I, I mean, these are things that are rolling around in my head, but he's listening to this agonizing story how this couple were going through hell, that their baby died when a fan fell into her crib and suffocated her. And that, that you know, and that we spent the next four days with this grieving family as they, they, the sounds they would make, just the, the guttural groans, and how I stood before them in the cemetery, you know, and we, we buried their baby. And it, it was really strange. Nick got to relive that with us for the first time for him. As an adult now. Yes. And it, it, it's what happens is, is as we do our best to continue to develop our relationship with our kids— and the people that we care about, I think God will will bring those things back, you know, into play. That's part of that God's word not, not returning void. I have a chance to share something really sacred with my adult son now. Wow! And and it's because of that experience of him recording us two weeks ago down in Grand Rapids that he sees a part of me that he didn't see, and that's what happens with kids. They begin to see a different part of us that they never were able to see. And I'll say this clearly, and, and this is where I get so fired up with my colleagues in the academic world and my friends in the, 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 the student ministries world. We cannot superimpose our current experience, our level of maturity or spirituality on somebody who is 16 and expect them to bypass the seasoning that they must go through. We cannot superimpose and expect them to act like us. How many pastors are expecting people to just instantly be where they are, especially in adolescent ministry? 
when you're 14, when you're 15, when you're 16, you've not yet experienced the pain that you need to go through so that you can be a person who now understands wisdom. You've explained to me what wisdom is, John, in the past. We've had those conversations. But man, can you really be wise until you've suffered? I would say this. And here's the problem with culture with our iPhones. Information can be gleaned. So you can have a PhD and think that you're the smartest person on the planet and you're not because you might glean information. You might gather information on your cell phone that has more content than most libraries at most universities right now. Albert Einstein said clearly, don't memorize something you can simply look up. Now, we don't like to repeat that, (laughs) but think about this for a second. Information can be gleaned. It can be downloaded. Understanding only comes through suffering. So to truly understand anything, the avenue, the teacher is suffering. So for us who are older, to walk beside the younger generation, we have to walk them through that suffering. We cannot superimpose what we know now on them, and then have this unrealistic expectation that they're going to understand. The first time, John, you taught your kids how to drive, do you remember the parking lot, the back road? Oh, where you I have get this... saved again, man. I've lost my religion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. I, I, we have stories. Everybody's here and has stories. Yeah. Where, where how many years did you drive before you became the incredible? crafted driver i mean i watched your wife darcy navigate a mud road it, it, that that would put to shame any monster truck driver that i've ever met i it's mean because she's a michigan girl yeah man she's a bluntly girl yeah. and she yeah. knows how to drive that truck through like ice and mud and i, I we just yesterday just watched an amazement there yeah. goes darcy yeah you know th- this is this is interesting to hear you say that um they're just couple weeks ago um our oldest daughter was she and her husband were staying at the house because my wife and i were out of town and so she's driving um our non-driving children to school in my vehicle and it's an icy snowy day and um uh this teenage driver uh who he knows who he is and he's one of my favorite people in the world he's a good kid he's a farm boy he's a giant he's almost as big as britain as tall and um he runs a stop sign and tags my vehicle driven by my daughter with my or two of my other children in it. He just tags right in the back rear bumper. And and he 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 ran a stop sign and he says he was trying to stop, but it doesn't look like he was trying to stop. It just boom. And of course my daughter's calling and everybody's okay, we're fine, you know, grandma you know, world travels fast and everyone in Buckley knows what's going on and and uh you know, we checked on the kids and they're good. And I just remember someone saying, man, he was really upset. He was upset that, you know, that was his coach because I'm a soccer coach and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And I know his dad was upset and life lessons and all that stuff. And it was about two days and I felt like I needed to reach out to that kid because what I was hearing was people were like, oh, coach is going to be so mad at you when he gets back into town. You, you know, you totaled his car and his kids were in there and da, 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 da. And, and now at 50, I sent the kid a text to tell him, hey, man, I love you. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you about the time when I was your age 
when I got in two car crashes in one day, one on the way to school and one on the way home when I hit a school bus. And he's like, oh, thanks so much, coach, right? Now, no one got hurt, but that's the suffering you're talking about. Exactly. And the reason I bring that up is sometimes, I I mean, that's just me and someone else's kid. I see myself and I see other parents that they forget how dumb we were at 15. And it's all of a sudden, it's like, what were you thinking to our kids? And the reality is they weren't thinking. <laughs> They're just this ball of hormones. And, and that's why I love what you just said. That it's, in fact, it's, it's worthy to stop the podcast, go back, rewind, listen again. We can't superimpose the wisdom, the experience, the pain, the suffering. The, that was a painful day yes. when I got in a car crash twice in one day because I had to pay for all that damage on the same vehicle. And so who am I to go to this kid and deny him that same wisdom experience that he just went through? He's already a better driver. Thank God no one got killed or hurt. But I think we try to protect them from that, and we miss that. And and some of it, as I was listening to you talk, is I think we as parents and maybe people in ministry forget we're playing the long game. Mm -hmm. We're not playing the short game. We want instant gratification with our kids, but this is a much longer game that we're playing. Even going back to what you said about the Word of God doesn't return void. Right. There's some way we forget that, what did you say? It's not over yet, right? Or it's, uh, um, uh, uh, there's, there's hope for the future, mm-hmm. that the game's not over. You can't let the failure of the missed stop sign impact you on the next series. Correct. You know, John, as we're digging into this, and we still remember Zico, that was his nickname back there. Nobody knows this in Michigan. Running into, <laughs> running into the back of a school bus. That's right. You know. I was a little distracted. Yeah. Get, that morning, you know, crashing your you future John. brother-in-law's car. <laughs> exactly. Same day. You remember that, <laughs> we get the, We get yeah. to laugh about it now. Because now it's reminiscing, and I believe that as we're in relationship with these people and stay in relationship with them, that the other side of all of this is those moments to sit back and say, yeah, that's what we get to have with our kids now. I mean, I get to have that with you know my son and his wife, you know Katya, to talk about little Theo and Andy. You know what we talked about? Man, that's the way you were, Nate, when you were one year old. How you sat there and you just liked just to, to, to rest on my shoulder while mom was having a break. And I'm reliving what it's like to be a parent with a, with a newborn right now. I will say this to you. I have hope in the church and for student ministries because Jesus Christ is alive and well on this planet Earth in and through the church and us is his people. I see churches all over the country that are doing amazing, amazing ministry with the next generation, with children, middle school, high school, college age. I see ministries that are digging deep in relationships with students during this, this pandemic in incredible ways. And they might not be meeting personally in the same exact space, but they're meeting on a consistent basis 
using every piece of technology they know. The church, to me, has responded to COVID better than any existing organization on the planet Earth. Every one of them. The church has led in so many ways so well. And I I want you to know the church is alive and well. And these aren't the worst days ever, and it's all going to hell in the handbasket. And, you know, Jesus, come back tomorrow because it's over. Jesus, please preach. come back whenever you Let's want. Let's just let him just preach for a minute. Just keep <laughs> we, going. We, we yeah. want that. I mean, we want that because we we believe that 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 there's more to this life than what we know and have right now. We've we have enough friends who've died and and have suffered and and have told us, you know, their stories, you know, as they're going through that intense time of life and they're no longer with us and we biblically believe that that God has so much more for us than what we have right now and here. But there is incredible opportunity. There is revival taking places in pockets all over the world. So you don't have to listen to the noise all the time. I mean, I'm sitting here in Buckley, Michigan, at this incredible ministry that's a regional ministry. I'm glad it's in Buckley. You drive in here and it's like, what is that building? <laughs> I mean, what is that? You're a regional ministry. I mean, do people know how beautiful what happens at this church? You know, it was happening on a regular basis. And then we go to another pocket and another pocket and another pocket. And I can take you to pockets all over the United States, all over the world where God is doing amazing things. He is not done with us yet. He's not done with our children yet. He's not done with us. Don't be the roadblock for your children because you refuse to change, to admit that you're wrong or seek help or get counseling or or simply deal with your past like I've had to do. And I can't get into it on this podcast, but I've I've had this regular commitment that I want my kids to hear from their father, I love you and hug. And I love you. I'm proud of you. Doesn't mean that you don't want to get in their grill once in a while. You know, doesn't mean that you're lacking correction or you're soft. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that that you're going to help them get their act together and, and take responsibility and love them at the same time. Why can't you do both? Again, I say this. Our culture loves to divide. We're living in an either or. And I'm telling you, biblically speaking, it's a both and. You can have grace and truth because Jesus did. So you don't have to have one or the other. We can be both. Yeah, Pour it on thick, Uncle Charlie. Come on. Pour it on I thick. I should have brought my notepad, man. <laughs> yeah, you I don't brought. have a pen or nothing. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Well, yeah. I just have a mirror that I'm, I'm, I am, I even know if who's listening. I'm just talking to myself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, this is as much about you know me as is anybody else. So it, yeah. it's just... But it's a wisdom of suffering and the wisdom of years. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, ahead. and I think, too, it comes from just this place of knowing where true power lies. Yeah. And um, I think that the thing I see with all with all these things you're talking about is slowing down enough to see the why behind the things you're going through. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I think so in our culture, we're just so innate to fix, fix, fix and jump into this thing and not let people experience the things that they're experiencing. Right. Mm-hmm. So like. We have these teens that come to our student ministry and they're 
come and they say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this thought and I'm thinking about self-harm. And the first thing we want to do is fix them rather than hear them. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing that you see with parenting, with my job, with kids talking to other kids, all these things is we're, mm-hmm. we're a culture of fixers and we don't take enough time to actually sit into the why is this a problem in the first place. And that's something that um, I, was, I said it in, a, I think, the last podcast, but I'll say it again. I was talking to my uncle, and he said it was, he was comparing it to AA and drinking, and he said, if you want to not be an alcoholic, quit drinking. But if you want to fix your drinking problem, figure out why you drink. And so there's just that whole piece within it of we can try to fix everything or we can really dig into why are these things happening in the first place. And that's what I'm hearing come from all these things is let's allow people to experience these things and not try to glance over that if you're suffering, you're failing. Like, no, if you're suffering, Romans 5 tells us that you're producing a lot of really good fruit and that suffering is a part of the Christian life and we're becoming like Christ in our suffering if we fix our eyes to him in it. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I think that those are some really good uh, points that you said I is there is somebody here that that is in youth ministry, student ministries, children ministry? I mean, I, I say all of those because in my mind, it's next generation ministry. Truly, that that it, that we have to care for our kids. So it, that matters, you know. That that preschool matters. So anybody that's working with that next generation, I remember clearly having a conversation with a dad. And uh, this guy named Bob is is like, you know, I'd go to him for different concerns or issues or help on different things. And and, uh, and one day I went to go talk to him about his daughter, Manet. And, you know, um, and again, you know, I'm a father. I've got three kids who are, you know, one, three, and five, you know, and, and she's a, you know, a junior in high school. <laughs> okay. And, and and we're trying to get ministry done, you know, and get things done. And so I went to Bob, and it's like, you know what, Bob? Uh, um, I, I don't think that I've got Monet. I don't think I got her. You know, I, she's not necessarily responding to, you know, some challenges that we might throw out there, or I'm not for sure. I don't know where she's at. And this was a good lesson for me as a youth pastor when dad said, don't worry, I do. Mm. I got her. One thing that happens in ministry as well <laughs> wow. is we have to understand that that mom and dad are number one, and we supplement their ministry to their kids. And we have to be very aware of that, that generally speaking, we're supplementing what mom and dad are trying to do on a regular basis. And it's hard for people to hear that consistent sound. And we have an opportunity in pastoral ministry to supplement. Yes, we have students that don't have that at home. I get it. But we have a lot of students who do. Part of our responsibility in next-gen ministries is to champion mom and dad, the family, and be very creative in ways to support that in the way we design ministry, we can have an incredible student ministry gatherings and trips. There's so much that we can do. Again, it's not an either or, it's a both and. We can have great ministry and be a part of the body of Christ, you know, the local church. And that's a big deal. And I just want to encourage people that are out there in student ministries 
whether you're full-time, part-time, volunteer, that you're not going it alone. And uh, if, if we really want to dive into ministry to that generation, we have to walk beside mom and dad and let them know we're on their side. We're, we're not opposing them. You know, we're trying to support them. And if I could go back and learn that lesson early on, hmm. I'll tell you right now, bro, this is this is the thing that's been happening from the beginning of humanity as well. You turn 18 and you think that you're the smartest human on the planet Earth. Uh, this is You'll a true never fact. Be smarter than when you're 18. Or more bulletproof. Yes. You are bulletproof and the smartest guy in the room. And then smartest girl in the room, smartest guy in the room. And then all of a sudden, what you learn through suffering is you just get progressively dumber the rest of your life. <laughs> wisdom, people. Uh, right there, that is more wisdom. You can have a degree in mechanical engineering, you know, and a 16-year-old is going to tell you what an idiot you are. I mean, you you can, you know, because they're going through that season. They're going through that mess. <laughs> and so what happens with a human is, is you know, you you are awesome. You are great. You're the best. We you're hearing this, you know, affirmation. Generally speaking, well, there's a lot of kids that don't. A lot of people that don't. But generally speaking, you're trying to fight for it, and then all of a sudden, the switch turns, and then you realize you spend the rest of your life just progressively <laughs> so getting, getting dumber. dumber. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm ahead of the curve on that one. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, John. Do you have any other? Kind of oh, lasting no. things. I, man, I could sit here and listen to Charlie talk about this. Just <laughs> yeah, wax absolutely. poetic. I yeah. mean, usually we're rapid fire the questions. So, so like, like you've hit a lot. What what is a mistake that you see? Like, are there any other mistakes that you see that parents are making right now besides the assumptions that they make? Like, oh, it was never as bad as it is now, and the kids. These just like a mm. like. What are some mistakes that they make? Okay, um, or I, or what are people in next gen ministry th- some mistakes they make besides forgetting the parents? Can you quit listing mine specifically though? Because people are yeah. going to start wondering why John pays me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure that out right yeah. now. Man. <laughs> and by the way, when I, I'm sorry when I say bro. If you go back into the Hebrew, that actually is translated as brethren and sister. Ah, uh, bro. <laughs> y'all. It means brethren if, and sister. Yeah, y'all. If, 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 if in the South it'd be y'all. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I sometimes I forget. But um, I will say this, I can't answer that question. I'll say, what is it, one of the dumb mistakes I made as a parent that we can talk about and a dumb mistake I made as a, a student ministries pastor? Uh, so I would say right now is. Take that moment, that time, that trip. Take that. Take the opportunity to take the drive if you can. E- even like even today, I know you had to go pick up something. You know, you need to mm-hmm. go pick up a car. Take that trip with your daughter. Take that trip with your son. Find the moment. Reorganize your your calendar. Do something together. You That's know, good. but 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 try to carve out time now. And then I would say as part of that is 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 don't hold on to the pain or the hurt or the pride, you know, or that thing that's between you and them. And you can seek their forgiveness. One of the greatest things I ever heard was from John and Lisa Bevere talking about the bait of Satan. Now I would say if there's an offense between us, 
And it might be you, John. It might be that, that I did nothing wrong. But now there's something between us, and I know there is. I desire to have that relationship back with you so much that I would go to you and say, John, I, I seek your forgiveness. I'm sorry. I, I, I desire this relationship with you. And, and I just That's want good. you to know. And which will then open the door for you to, to let your guard down and say, no, I'm, it's me. Hopefully that would happen. It doesn't always go that way, but it's worth it. It's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. How many people do we know that they haven't talked to their parents or their kids for years and years and years? And and the story is no, going. It's just heartbreaking. It yeah. is. It's yeah. heartbreaking. So so do anything you can now to develop that relationship and, and to, to back them, to be there. Let them know. It's like, listen, I, I failed at times as a parent. I just want you to know I love you. Kids are resilient. I'm telling you, they want to know that they're loved and cared for. And then in student ministries, I would say the same thing, that 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 every conversation I have, I just had a chance to be with uh, Pastor Amy Beagle. She's an executive pastor in Marion, Indiana, um, at a church called The River. She was a kid in the student ministries at Lakeview. The senior pastor, Matthew, was a kid in the wow. student ministries wow. at that time. From, from the tree. And you're yeah. talk, we're talking to them, and it's like, hey, do you remember that sermon that I did You know, in, in June in 1998? It's like, no, I don't remember the sermons. They just remember all the experiences. And I was you wow. know, speaking at the yeah. church, and Amy introduced me. And she introduced me by telling the story that we're in inner city Chicago on this one of our like more homeland kind of mission trips. You know, you have your overseas, yeah. and uh, uh, we're getting ready to do this thing with a group called Victory Outreach in downtown Chicago. And it's a woman's home, men's home. I mean, all these women are, you know, going through something crazy traumatic, whether it's prostitution or sex slave trade. They're coming out of. I mean, just this is a pretty aggressive ministry. And they they have they're having us do ministry to them, and they want me to speak. And so I get Amy's attention. I said, "I want you to testify." And uh, um, Amy gave me the terrified look, like you know. How old is she at this time? She's a senior in high school. Okay, yeah. You know, you know, all star basketball player, getting ready to go play at Indiana Wesleyan University. I mean, sharp person, and uh, um. And we got to make this thing happen because, you know, there's stuff going on stage and we're supposed to go out there in a minute. And she goes, what am I going to say? It's like, I I don't have this grand testimony. I didn't, you know, come out of prostitution or, you know, I'm not this or that or a drug addict. And it's like, Amy, you were lost and now you're found. That's your testimony. That, That might be the greatest thing they need to hear is that you didn't know Jesus you didn't do drugs. You weren't a prostitute. You know, you're doing, you're this amazing, you know, person who's everyone loves and so proud of, but you were still lost until you asked Jesus into your heart. And she got up and told that story. And these women went nuts because it's without Jesus, we still are all lost, regardless of the garbage in our life. We're still missing something, you know, very essential. You know, the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. That story, all right, we're talking, this is 
probably is summer of 1995, a year before we end up leaving. She goes to college. Mm-hmm. And when I ask her about, do you remember those ministry days? And she doesn't remember one sermon. She just remembers a culture. She remembers a culture that was built. And so that is what I would say to all the youth leaders out there is build a culture. And the culture is what sustains. Because, I mean, I, I, I bet, I bet, I, I bet, John, you, you are brilliant. Now, I'm not trying to be silly here, but you are one of the most intelligent people I know. You're this world-class communicator, and you had no problem in school. I, I bet you could read and remember and take a test. All right, so you have no problem academically. But if I tried to take you back to your sophomore year in the fall, September, on a Tuesday, and remember everything that your professor nope. taught you, nope. probably Can't not. Do it. No. But, you but remember, I remember the experiences. Yeah. The experiences. That, wow. to me, when I think about culture, you know, uh, culture eats strategy for lunch every day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you craft a culture, and maybe it might be a little sloppy. Okay. But I'll take a little bit sloppy, amazing culture over a really fine, polished organization that's that really good no on culture. paper. Yeah. yeah. Great on paper. They have the logos, but they're they're no good with people. Yeah. And so, to me, that's the big the thing is is giving people opportunity, giving students opportunity to have and develop relationships. And uh, um, it might not be that you're the greatest speaker ever. You had the best worship team ever. It wasn't like your ministry or your building was the greatest ever. They're going to remember that you love Jesus Christ and you love them, and that's your culture. You know, that there, there, was, a, there was a conference that my wife and I were at, and this world-renowned author, speaker, family, relationship, whatever guy. I, to be honest, I forgot his name, but he was all those things. I don't remember anything he did during the conference. I remember the Q&A time. Yeah. One person asked this question. He said, what is the secret to a tight-knit family? And without batting an eye, you know, like a close family, without batting an eye, he says, whitewater rafting. And then it's like, what? Because I don't whitewater raft. And I'm like, oh, well, my family's going to suck because I I don't want to do that. My wife doesn't want to do that. But then he fleshed it out. For he and his family, he took his family white water rafting, and it brought their family together. Yeah. And so what what he was saying is anything you do together mm-hmm. where you can fail, where together as a family you can fail. And then I started filling in the blanks, camping, road trips, white water rafting, mission trip. And I think it's connected somehow because what you're talking about is they may not even remember all the lessons, but they remember the experience. Yeah. They remember that thing together. That's true for ministries. That's true for families. You know, and then and then the second thing you made me think of right now is, you know, my wife and I, I mean, thus far, I mean, our oldest is only twenty four at, at at the time of this recording, about to have our first grandchild. And we've got four other younger ones. Uh I'm a little bit further down or or behind you in the road as far as their ages go. But as we've tried to map it out, like, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if a kid walks away from faith or us or whatever? My wife has always 
held on to this and said, this is who we're going to be. Yeah. They're always going to know that mom and dad love them. Yep. No matter what, we're going to keep that line of love. And we may not always agree what they do. We may not always agree with decisions that they're making, it, but we're going to give them the freedom of that. But they're always going to know that's something you have kept saying over and over and over in this podcast is they're going to know that mom and dad love them. They're going to know that mom and dad are always going to love them no matter what. We're going to keep that line open and, and that, strong. And that mom and dad love each other. Oh, yeah. And that mom and dad love each other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Charlie, man, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for uh, the wisdom. I wasn't talking very much at the end because I was writing notes. but uh, Yeah, <laughs> well, I saw I, you right over there on your phone, man. Yeah. I love this town. I love the tab. I mean, what you guys are doing is great keep it up this is a beautiful part of the country so many amazing people up here and uh keep keep doing what you're doing would you come back on this podcast because we didn't get enough done today for sure (laughs) there's other thing Uh, dude he's a jack of all trades he's got opinions on a lot of different things and because he's been around since the time of noah (laughs) he's got some wisdom you know he's got some wisdom for sure that silky baritone the dungeon is always open so if you if you got something to say we got we got a place to record it so yeah, Charlie, we appreciate it. And you got uh, it, man. Tabernacle family, you all know what's coming now, The Ask. Um, we thank you so much just for joining. And uh, if this podcast has impacted you or it's continuing to impact you or you don't hate it quite yet, but you're not eight episodes in, so you can't quit, will you uh, share this with somebody? And uh, make sure to share this on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you find this podcast. Share it with somebody. Maybe you know a family or some parents that need some encouragement or some rebuking. Uh, you can send this to them. And uh, also... Make sure you subscribe. Algorithms are real. They exist. Whether you think they do or they don't, they do. And if you're already subscribed, unsubscribe, subscribe again. And also, you already know, this is the this is the way to John and I's heart. Pie. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, if, you, if you rate this podcast five stars, it's five stars five or no stars. stars. We don't want anything in between. But and, hey, but pie, you could also get to our hearts as well. Yeah, pie a, and a five-star yeah, rating. A five-star pie and a five-star rating. Absolutely. Yeah, the, Ch- Charlie, cake. Or pie, like is is pie not superior to cake? Rhubarb pie. See right there, not five strawberry stars. rhubarb, which I don't, I won't reject. You want? <laughs> I'm telling you, I won't a, reject. A good hey. Michigan kid loves some rhubarb pie. Hey, I'm like, Ooh. you seen the movie Radio? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cuban getting Jesus. Yeah. I'll take both. I'll yeah. t- <laughs> so I'll take uh, both. Tabernacle pie. family. Until next time, this is John Britton and Charlie signing off. <laughs>